everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Analyze and Educate podcast. I decided to move this over from YouTube. I felt like it would be easier and uh, quicker for us to put out content, and that way you guys wouldn't have to wait for information to become old and essentially invalid. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, uh, pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. You could find us on social media at Analyze Educate, all one word. Um, we post, try and post every day. I haven't been able to recently. I got a lot going on with moving and midterms and stuff like that, but I will pick it up here now that I'm done with all of that. So yeah, find us on Instagram, Analyze Educate, one word. You could find me on Instagram at Kirko408. Magno is at magno8888 and luis is at the real weecho on instagram so if you like this like share and subscribe to the podcast spread the word support means a lot me and my buddy taylor sist also do a podcast you could find us anywhere you find podcasts at the catwalk boys so give that a uh, shot if you don't mind and yeah enjoy the episode all right everyone now the situation in syria is uh, obviously still ongoing it's uh, very fast-paced so some of this info could very well be invalid by the time this podcast comes out it's a little confusing so bear with me here uh first I want to kind of go into a little bit of a prelude, give some background info leading up to this offensive. Um, I'll kind of go into a little bit of a timeline here. After that, I'll uh, give a few little talking points just as a summary. I'll go into um, reported casualties overall for the offensive, and then I'll finish off with the order of battle. So let's get into it. So, prelude. Um, In 2016, the Turkish Armed Forces launched what was called Operation Euphrates Shield into northwest Syria right off their border. Now, that was against ISIS as well as Kurdish fighters in the area. Um, I don't have a lot of details on that operation. Just know that um, that was Turkey's really first intervention into the civil war in Syria, and that kind of set the pace for further operations. So in March of 2018, you had Operation Olive Branch again in northwestern Syria off the Turkish border. Now, the main objectives for that was for Turkey to um, clear out Kurdish fighters that they deemed to be terrorists related to the PKK, the Kurdish Workers' Party, which is a Kurdish separatist group that aims to set up a free Kurdish state in Kurdish-dominated areas in Turkey. Operation Olive Branch was set to clear out Kurdish fighters supposedly aligned with the PKK, um, 
Turkey captured their main objective, which was the city and general region of Afrin. They captured surrounding areas as well from the Syrian Democratic Forces, which is dominated by the Kurdish YPG. That's the Kurdish version of the Peshmerga, I guess you could say, which is the Kurdish Armed Forces in Iraqi Kurdistan. Now, Turkey proposed to push all the way to the city of Mambij. I think the reason they did do that is because the U.S. has forces in Mambij, or at least did at that time. Now, Turkey does not want a confrontation with the U.S., right? We're both NATO allies. That would be bad. It would be an awful move for Turkey to hit U.S. forces. I know at the time... When Operation Olive Branch first kicked off, the U.S. actually deployed reinforcements to Mambij to deter Turkey from launching an assault on the city. Well, Operation Olive Branch is technically still ongoing after the YPG lost the city of Efrain. They actually conducted a insurgency. I'm sorry against Turkish forces and the Syrian National Army, which is formerly the Free Syrian Army. They're the main Turkish-backed forces fighting on the ground. They do a majority of the fighting, and the Turkish Armed Forces kind of takes a backseat a little bit. So Olive Branch is still ongoing, and that will actually tie into... Operation Peace Spring, this current offensive that's going on. So the main Turkish objective for Operation Peace Spring is to establish a safe zone no deeper than 32 kilometers into Syria, all along the Turkish-Syrian border. Secondary objective is to resettle refugees in that safe zone. Now, in August... The U.S. and Turkey actually signed an agreement to establish this safe zone. This has been something that had been talked about for a while. Um, The U.S. and the SDF were reluctant to do it because the Kurds didn't want to give Turkey... They didn't want to give Turkey a lot of... um, concessions, I guess you could say. Um, The Kurds are very fearful fearful of Turkey, and for good reason. Well, finally, in August, this safe zone was agreed to by the U.S., SDF, and Turkey. It's already been established, actually, with Turkish forces and U.S. forces conducting joint patrols. The U.S. convinced the SDF to dismantle their positions along the border, creating this safe zone. Now, what does this mean for the Kurds now? Well, Turkey came out and said last week before the start of this offensive that they weren't satisfied with the conditions of the safe zone. Turkey had apparently been making more and more demands and the Kurdish were reluctant to fulfill the new demands that had not been agreed to. Well, 
the Kurds, as I just said, dismantled all their positions along the border. So they're at a great disadvantage when it comes to defending against the first wave of a Turkish assault. They have to reestablish defensive positions all over again, and that will be incredibly difficult, especially dependent on how quickly Turkish forces advance into Syria. Now, another little talking point here. Russian special forces were actually seen opening a border crossing over the Euphrates River between the Syrian Arab Army and the Syrian Democratic Forces front lines in the Derzor government. Now, there's been a little bit of talk about the SAA preparing to move into SDF territory. Now, the SDF claims that the Syrian government is actually preparing to enter the city of Manbij. The Syrian government claims that the buildup along the border is actually to deter Turkey from entering the city. So we'll see how that situation plays out. Now, it was predicted that Turkey would use the city of Sorry, give me, just bear with me a little bit. Jarabalus, which is a Turkish-held city in Syria, as a logistics hub. Now, those predictions have proven to be true since the beginning of the operation. Now, we'll go into a little bit of a timeline here. So, on the 6th of this month, last week, uh, Donald Trump on Twitter announced that Turkey would begin an offensive into northern Syria after U.S. troops are withdrawn from the immediate areas. That operation would soon become known as Operation Peace Spring by Turkey. The next day on the 7th, U.S. post at Tel Musa, Tel Abiyad, Tel Hinzer, and Tel Arkham were abandoned near the border area. Next day on the 8th, Turkish strikes hit the Syria-Iraq border in order to prevent the Kurds from reinforcing from Iraqi Kurdistan. Later that night, the Turkish military hit Ras Alian with machine guns and artillery strikes. The next day on the 9th, Turkish proxy forces, mainly the Syrian National Army, like I said, formerly the FSA, the Free Syrian Army, were staged along the border, getting ready to step across the line of departure. Artillery and airstrikes were launched at Kurdish positions along the border, and the operation officially began at 1600 local time, which for all you non-military folks, that is 4 o'clock p.m. Now, the offensive began, like I said, with artillery and airstrikes along the border. They hit Tel Abiyad, Ras Alan, Anissa, and Kamash- Kamashli. Sorry, again, bear with me. Not really great at pronouncing these. Now, Ras Alan and Kamishli are SDF strongholds in the area. Those are important for them to hold out 
as long as they can against the Turks. Now, the SDF claimed that Turkish artillery was targeting civilians. Now, I will say on our Instagram, I shared a video of that that turning out to be true. Maybe not delib- deliberately targeting. I have no proof of that. But the artillery did hit civilians in the city of Kamashli. There are images of uh, Syrian civilians laying dead in the road in the middle of the night due to Turkish bombardments. Now, the SDF responded with six rockets hitting with Nusayabin in Turkey and reportedly two rockets hitting Selapinar. Now, that last one is a Turkish claim. The SDF announced the halt of anti-ISIS operations and asked the U.S. to establish a no-fly zone over northern Syria that same day. The operation began, the ground offensive began, with a three-pronged attack launched by the end of the day. Those hits, I'm sorry, those were headed towards Tel Abad, Ras Alan, and Kamashli. Now, the next day on the 10th, Turkey reported that they had hit in upwards of 181 SDF targets, not a lot of details were given for that claim. The SDF reported that they had repelled an assault on Tel Abad. Clashes broke out near the Turkish-held town of Al-Bab. Now, Al-Bab is in the outskirts of Afrin that was taken during Operation Olive Branch. So, clashes will continue along the lines of Operation Olive Branch. Now, Turkish forces advanced around Talabad. It, Looking at the map now, it looks like they're going to attempt an encirclement of the town. They're advancing to the east and to the west of the town. So I will be very surprised if that is not what they do. Now, they captured the villages of Tabatin, Al-Mashrafah, and Mishrafah, Al-Hawi, Barzan, and Haj Ali. Again, bear with me with these names. I'm not good at pronouncing them. Those are all around Talabad. Now, the Turkish Air Force hit an SDF prison that houses ISIS fighters. Now, one big talking point for this offensive is the SDF holds thousands of ISIS fighters in these prisons. And they don't have the manpower to fight Turkey and guard these prisons. So the fate of these ISIS prisoners is up in the air, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. 
by the end of the day, Turkey declared they had control of 11 villages in the area. If that's true, um, they're advancing rather quickly. Also that same day, President Erdogan of Turkey threatened to flood Europe with 3.6 million refugees if the European Union continues to call Operation Peace Spring an invasion. That's an interesting threat. So Turkey's getting a lot of flack from the EU and the Arab League as well. Actually, the international community in general. Even the U.S. says that they do not support Turkey's operation. And certain politicians have given Turkey a, a good amount of flack. Um, whether you think that this operation is the fault of the U.S. or not, that's up to you. I have my own opinion, but I'll leave it at that. By the end of the day as well, the Turkish Ministry of Defense had confirmed at least one of their soldiers has been killed by SDF forces. The next day on the 11th, two journalists were wounded in Nusayabin, Turkey, when the building they were filming from came under fire by the SDF from Kamashli. Turkey shelled Kabani in response to Turkish civilian deaths reportedly caused by SDF shelling. Turkey captured Tel Halaf on the border area. An ISIS car bomb claimed at least nine dead in Kamashli. Now, this attack was claimed by ISIS. Again, this brings me back to what I was just saying. Uh, ISIS is still out there. Now, the caliphate, in a general sense, is no more. They don't hold territory the way they did in 2015. Or even last year. But ISIS does still exist. Their cells are operating all throughout Syria. And even though you haven't heard it a lot in the news, the SDF has continuously been conducting operations to root out these cells. Now, with the SDF occupied with fighting Turkish forces... ISIS is definitely taking advantage of the, who, how do you say this, in the um, detriment of the security situation in northern Syria. Turkey later that day hit another SDF prison housing ISIS fighters, and the SDF reported that at least five of those fighters had escaped the prison. That same day, Turkey shelled a U.S. and French joint special operations base in the outskirts of the city, Kobani, up in the mountains. No casualties were reported by the U.S. or French forces. French forces did respond by mortaring a Turkish tank that had been shelling the base. 
U.S. forces did vacate the base, but it looks like they had returned by the end of the day. Now, this is not good. You have three NATO countries engaging each other. You have the U.S., France, and Turkey. Turkey shelling the U.S. and France. It doesn't sound like the U.S. actually fired back on Turkish positions, but the French did. So you have NATO forces engaging each other. Now, the Pentagon has come out time and time again after this incident and said that Turkish forces knew to the exact grid square of where the U.S. base was. So it will be interesting to see how the situation plays out in the future. Now, the jihadist group Jaish al-Islam announced that they will join the offensive, of course, linking up with the Syrian National Army from their bases in Afrin. So Turkey is consolidating their forces. And... Yeah, it's not going to be good for the SDF. They will be outnumbered. Three Turkish soldiers were killed this day. Two of them were killed in Turkey by SDF shelling on a Turkish military base. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights claimed that at least six Turkish soldiers have been lost overall in the operation. The SOHR also claimed that 12 Turkish border guards had been killed or wounded by the SDF in the outskirts of Kobani in a single engagement on this day. Now, yesterday, on the 12th, Turkish forces claimed that they had reached and captured the M4 highway 32 kilometers deep into Syrian territory. Now, the M4 highway is a major supply route for the SDF in between the cities of Manbij and Kamishli. At the end of the day, the SDF claimed that they had taken the highway back, but it doesn't look like a lot of outside sources can confirm that yet, so we'll see. Now, the Kurds also claim that a local politician by the name of Hevrin Kalaf was executed near Kamishli by Turkish-backed troops. Now, that has not been confirmed by Kurdish authorities, but I will say a video was released on Twitter showing SNA militants executing would appear to be a female politician and her driver on the M4 highway. So that could have very likely been this politician. SDF forces in Derzor are targeted by unknown gunmen that are believed to be from ISIS cells. Um, no word on casualties yet. It doesn't sound like it was too bad, but... This just goes to show you that ISIS is probably taking advantage of the situation. 
The SDF shelled the Turkish-held city of Azaz. Azaz is within the Afrin region and is another one of the cities that was captured during the Olive Branch operation. The Turkish Interior Minister announced that nearly 300 mortar shells have been fired at the Mardin province in Turkey by the SDF since the start of this operation. Turkey announced the capture of Ras Alan by noon local time. Like I said earlier, that is or was a major stronghold of the SDF, so that puts him at more of a disadvantage, obviously. Hopefully they can consolidate their losses and form a defensive line against Turkish forces. The Turkish Air Force bombed, and yes, this is really the name, Amhash, which is a village outside of Tel Rafat. The region is south of Efren and is jointly controlled by the SDF and the Syrian Arab Army, with the units of the Russian military police stationed in that region as well. <clears throat> it will be interesting to see if the Syrian Arab Army and Russian forces get involved in this operation as they did in Operation Olive Branch. That's about it for the timeline. Of course, the situation will continue to develop by the time this podcast is out and some of this information could be invalidated. It's a very fast-moving situation, but... With the timeline being done, I will move on to some small talking points real quick. So right before the operation, the SDF said it's willing to continue talks with the Syrian regime. They probably figure that being under the oppression of the Syrian regime is better than being slaughtered by the Turks. We'll see how that situation plays out. SDF has been continuously urging their fighters to reinforce the border area and civilians to take up arms against Turkish forces. They need every man and probably woman that they could get and every weapon they could get as well. They are going to be outgunned and outmanned, so they need all the help they could get. Pro-Turkish sources claim that anywhere between 14,000 and 20,000 SNA militants are mobilized for this operation. That would bring the total forces of Turkey to around 30,000, including Turkish military forces. Per Turkish sources, the SNA made up the first wave of the assault. And like I said earlier, the Turkish military is taking a back seat to them. The SNA is most likely doing the vast majority of the fighting. Now, like I said earlier, the Syrian Arab army is stationed along the border, reportedly ready to act in the face of Turkish aggression, so we'll see how that plays out. As of the 12th, which was yesterday, over 100,000 people have fled their homes, and that is coming from the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Now, Donald Trump 
went on Twitter a few days before the operation and said that Turkey was set to handle ISIS prisoners once they take them over from the SDF. Now, the SDF has not agreed to this. And one criticism that Turkey has faced is if they take control of the ISIS prisoners, they will be released. And that could cause a resurgence of ISIS. Whether you think that's a valid claim or not, that's up to you. As I said, I have my own opinion. I'll leave it at that. Now, before the operation, the U.S. moved at least two British ISIS fighters to a safe zone in Iraq. The duo are known as the Beatles, apparently. I don't know much about them, but it must be fairly important if the U.S. moved them specifically. Now, bear with me for a couple minutes. We're actually going to take a quick commercial break, and we will be right back. All right, and we're back, so I guess we'll continue with our talking points here. Now, before the capture of the city, Ras Alan's hospital was put out of commission due to Turkish shelling hitting the hospital. The hospital in Tel Abad was also out of commission due to the fear of Turkish shelling hitting the hospital. So that will put the SDF at more of an advantage as they try and treat civilian and military casualties. Now, the SDF has actually gone online seeking medical supplies, um, tourniquets, field dressings, things like that. Whether they're expired or not, they'll take anything they could get. Now, I already talked about this, but just to summarize it, at least two SDF prisons holding ISIS POWs have been hit, leading to the escape of at least five of these fighters. This will continue to be an issue for the SDF. Now, also in SDF control are ISIS families that are put into refugee camps. Now, these families are separated from the rest of the refugees because they are radicalized. These are ISIS families. They believe in the cause of ISIS wholeheartedly. And many of these families were seen escaping captivity prior to the offensive because the SDF doesn't have the manpower to fight Turkey and guard these refugee camps at the same time. Now, the... SDF is still providing security to U.S. bases that have not been abandoned in Syria. Why they continue to do that is beyond me. Um, but the U.S. does still have a presence in northern Syria. Contrary to popular belief, U.S. patrols are actually still being conducted around Kamishli. And that will be interesting to see how that unfolds with the Turkish assault gaining on Kamishli and that being one of their main objectives. Now, since the beginning of the operation, Turkey has actually detained more than 120 online critics of the invasion for spreading quote-unquote terrorist propaganda. Turkish prosecutors also opened an investigation into terrorist propaganda against two Turkish members of parliament. 
these members of parliament are co-leaders of the pro-Kurdish HDP party, and Turkish authorities have also detained the web editor of the opposition, Bergun, I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, newspaper, and managing editor of the online news portal, Dickin. Turkey has long faced criticisms of censorship, and it's interesting to see how a simple critic of their invasion of Syria can be accused of spreading terrorist propaganda. But now we'll go on to reported casualties. So these first set of casualties are coming from Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. For Turkish Armed Forces, we have at least eight killed. Overall, for the operation for the Syrian National Army, we have at least 59 killed. For the SDF, we have at least 81 KIA. For civilian casualties, we have at least one by SDF shelling, and we have at least 28 by the Turkish Armed Forces and their proxy forces. Now, the next set of claims are coming from Turkey. For the Turkish Armed Forces, we have five KII. For the Syrian National Army, we have at least six. For the SDF, we have at least 459 killed, wounded, or captured. And for civilian casualties, we have at least 18 Turkish civilians killed by the SDF. For other sources, the Daily Star reported that the Syrian National Army executed nine civilians in a single occurrence. At one point in the offensive, I'm not entirely sure. Now we'll finish up real quick with the order of battle. So for the order of battle, we'll start off with Turkey. For the Turkish Armed Forces, we have, of course, the Air Forces. We have the Land Forces, and under the Land Forces, we have the Turkish Second Army. Under the Second Army, we have the Sixth Corps. Under the Sixth Corps, we have the Fifth Armored Brigade, the Eleventh Commando Brigade, and next we have the Eighth Army Corps. We have the Fourth Commando Brigade serving under the Eighth Corps. Next up, we have the Syrian Interim Government, which is, of course, the Operation, excuse me, Opposition Government that controls the Syrian National Army. So under them, we have the First Legion. We have, under the First Legion, Arar uh, <laughs> Sharkia. I'm sure I'm butchering that, but they are actually an anti-Americanism jihadist group. And that's going to be a continuing theme here. So next we have the Second Legion of the SNA. Under them is the Hamza Division, which is actually a rebel group that was trained by the U.S. and Turkey. Under the Hamza Division, we have the Kurdish Falcon Brigades, which is actually a rebel group made up of ethnic Kurds that fought in Operation Olive Branch against SDF forces. Next up, under the Second Legion, we have the Syrian Turkmen Brigades. They are a neo-Ottoman group of Syrian ethnic Turks. 
Under them, we have the Sultan Murad Division. Next, under the Second Legion, we have Josh al-Islam, which is a jihadist group that I mentioned a little bit before. Next up, we have the Third Legion. We have the Levant Front, which is a Sunni Islamist group. Under them are the Northern Storm Brigades. And next, we have the Glory Corps, which is another Syrian rebel group. Next up, we have the Fifth Legion, which under them is Arar al-Sham, which is an Islamist group. For the SDF Order of Battle, we have the YPG. Under the YPG, we have the YAT, which is the YPG's elite counterterrorism unit that was actually trained and funded and equipped by U.S. Special Forces as well as the CIA. Also, we have the YPJ, which is the female units of the YPG. We have the Syriac Military Council, otherwise known as the MFS, which is actually a unit under the SDF that was filled by Assyrians, ethnic Assyrians, which is a majority Christian minority in northern Syria. Next, we have the Martyr Nabar Azanian Brigade, which is a ethnic Armenian unit, also fighting with the SDF. We have various SDF military councils, which are military councils that are in charge of security and SDF strongholds, but they are subordinate to civilian councils, so they do not hold political power. And lastly, we have the Rehova Security Forces. Rehova is a major stronghold for the SDF, and under them there is the Civilian Defense Forces, also known as HPS, which to my knowledge is a conscripted force. I could be wrong, don't take my word for that. And then we have the Internal Security Forces for Rehova. So as of early October 13th, that is all we have for Syria. I'll try and update you guys as we go along. Follow us on Instagram at Analyze Educate for quicker, shorter updates. Thanks for listening. If you like this, like, share, subscribe to the podcast, spread the word. We appreciate all the support. And thank you guys. We'll see you next time.